0: Hey, everyone, it's Rob, and welcome back to Starfield Pulse, episode six for Monday, July 31st, 2023. This is your weekly podcast on all things Starfield. We record live every Monday on Twitch at around 8 p.m. Central. We usually start recording a few minutes later, have a little bit of a before and after party, if you will. Uh, You can then watch or listen to the show the following Tuesday on either Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts at, as long as that is Spotify or Apple podcasts. You can also watch it on my YouTube later on at YouTube slash Rob unwraps. We are now only by the time most of you see this or listen to it a month away from early access to Starfield. Yes, the game does release on September 6th. So release is officially still a little bit further away. However, I'm sure most of you are probably going to get a hold of this in the early access period. So within the next 31 days, you will have Starfield, the newest IP from Bethesda Game Studios in your hands. It's crazy, right? Bethesda's new opus in your hands for you to play month away. Get the excitement going. This week, we're going to cover all the crazy and not so crazy headlines, including the three anime shorts we got early last week. If you haven't heard about them already, Bethesda Games Studios released a small series, if you will. There's only three, so I guess we'll call it a series, of animated shorts that establish some background characters that we could potentially, or not, run into the Starfield universe later on next month when we're playing the game. Microsoft has talked about their plans, apparently, at Gamescom. Um, so we'll briefly hit on those and then we'll talk about what really happened to the Mecca in the game and whether or not you will actually see them in a playable form. And then finally, we'll close out the episode by going over a meet the producer that BGS just put out today and antsy and and antsy and answer any lingering questions that may have popped up in the chat. Without further ado, let's get to it. Let's talk about some of the good headlines we've seen out there, right? Starfield will be play anywhere. So that just came out. I think that was kind of one of those no duh things, but we finally got confirmation. So yes, if you play it on your Xbox console or if you play it on your PC, caveat, if you play it on your PC via the Windows 10 or 11 game front or the Xbox app your save will go back and forth between that systems. It does not follow from Steam to Xbox. I've seen some confusion on that, by the way. I've seen people adamantly state that if you play it on Steam, your save is going to transfer to Xbox, and that is not the case. Now, some developers have successfully done that, but that's not something that's required for Xbox Play Anywhere. An Xbox Play Anywhere requires that your save will go again in the Xbox Microsoft ecosystem, which is not Steam. So maybe we'll see support for that. Maybe we won't, but you will be able to transfer your saves between seamlessly between the PC and the console, as long as you're playing it on the Xbox Windows app. You're good. But now let's talk about something a little bit humorous, right? I love this segment. It's pretty funny to go over these every week. And that's let's talk about the garbage headlines of the week. The first one that stood out to me is that Starfield multiplayer exists, just not in the way we imagined. It does not exist. That's how we imagined. And it still doesn't exist. Even with this, they're talking about people hanging out in discord, talking about the game together as they play it. Sure. Sure. I guess that's a type of shared experience, but that's not a multiplayer gaming experience. So, spin it however you want, put plates on sticks, put them in circles, it's not it's just spin. It's just a clicky headline, right? Okay, whatever. Moving on. Fan uncovers Starfields full skill tree. Fan uncovers Starfields full skill trees ahead of release. And that was from one so they talk about this like it's was something new. And even the person who did this caveat it, like this is the best of their ability. This was something that they did for 200 hours. This is something they posted on Reddit. This website's just declaring like, it's it it's final. It's done. We know it. This fan did it. No, he it's speculative. So it, yeah. But anyways, to the fan who put all that hours and time in and posted their work up on Reddit. Good job. Bravo. Um, Way way to be dedicated to the topic, man. Uh, Another website put out, is Starfield delayed again? No, it's not. It's not. And I've seen multiple headlines like this, and it just boggles my mind. And and because this one site questioned whether or not Starfield was going to be delayed again, there was another series of sites that just copy-pasted this headline, spun it with their own article, copy-pasted those articles to each other and then we're like uh Microsoft's delaying Starfield again. And it's like no, no they're not. It's not happening. Um but a little bit more on those those websites copying each other in a second. And the next headline I saw and this was actually kind of funny. Starfield players joke that the game is literally unplayable after a blink and you'll miss it typo. And what they're referring to is that somebody on the Starfield Reddit posted a picture of a rifle and that if you look at it, it says that it's state of the art, but it misspelt it and said it's state of the at. It's pretty funny. Not gonna lie. But to say it's unplayable, again, they're being uh how do you say hyperbolic <laughs> to say the least? It's a joke, people. So touche, bravo, it's funny. And then, uh, and these, are, these aren't funny. These are just ones that drive me absolutely bonkers. These are websites that are proclaiming Starfield Outpost Guides. So you're gonna have legitimate gaming websites right now putting up stubs of what they think is gonna happen. And then you click, it's like everything we know about this system. And then you click the link and you go to the page and it's like, we don't know anything. And when we do know something, this is where we're going to put it. And to me, that's just, just don't do that. (laughs) I, I guess they're trying to get into the, into the search engine rankings, right? So for later on, when people go to Google or Bing or search these topics, whatever they choose to do, they'll rank high. But right now, there's nothing. So if you see a website like PC Gamer that says, here's our guide to the system. Here's our guide to this. Here's our guide to that. There is nothing there. They don't know anything. And if they do know anything, and they might, because some of them might have their hands on the game already, it's under embargo. They can't say anything. The embargo's not dropped. So they don't know anything that probably you don't already know. So don't click those shit articles, because that's what they are. They're just going to piss you off. So let me be upset for you. Uh, Let me take that click and save you a click and tell you that they don't know anything. And as soon as we know anything, I'll let you know. You'll know because everybody in the community will be telling you. So if you see something from one of these, uh, even reputable sites at this point, they don't know anything. They're just farming for clicks. Uh, So anyways, earlier I mentioned, I have found three websites that one of them has a fandom in it. One of them has a Bible in it, and one of them, I can't remember off the top of my head, and I, I didn't write it down in my notes, but there's these three websites, and I didn't give you their full names because I really don't want you to go to them because the, I don't think they deserve the traffic for the garbage they put out. And it somebody is writing the article, and I at this point, I'm wondering if they're just AI, if they're just having like BARD or they have an updated chat GPT, because um, you can't get the old one to do it because it doesn't have access to the internet, right? So these articles are the exact same thing on all three sites. They may put a variation in the title and they may put a little bit of a variation in the intro, but the body paragraphs to these articles are identical. And I don't know how that's not killing their search engine optimization. Cause I was under the impression that when you basically just cut paste stuff like that, that it, it hurts your rankings, but maybe they just don't care. And maybe they're not, in it for the rankings. Maybe they're just trying to already just give articles to the people that follow their sites. But it's just baffling to me that they just wholesale rip one another off. And I I don't know that they're stealing. It could be that they're all part of um, you know, a what's the word? Not a league, but you know, they're they're under like one umbrella where they kind of host each other's contents. But it's funny because they're, they're the exact same thing. So I just kind of noticed that today when I was going through some of these articles, doing a little bit of research for the run of show. And I was like, these are, these are word for word, the same paragraphs appearing in this article on the same subject across these three websites. So I just felt like the need to share that with one another. Uh, And then this one, again, from a reputable, reputable website Seven reasons why I'm more excited about Star Wars Outlaws than Starfield. You're going to see these comparisons, right? So, hey, I'm excited for Star Wars Outlaws, right? It's a, by all accounts, it's going to be a banger of a game. I like open world games. I like that sense of exploration. I typically like not all of Ubisoft games, but I, I enjoy the new Assassin's Creed's. I'm um, Hit or miss with the Starfield, or the Far Cries. I, I'll play a little bit. I usually don't stick around for the whole thing. But I definitely play through the entirety of the campaigns and the divisions, and I'm looking forward to this because anything that Massive is going to make, I'm I'm going to play, and I'm going to play this game. So it's inevitable that we see these comparisons, and we'll probably see more and more of it as we learn more about Star Wars Outlaws and get closer to its release. So I told you we'd talk about Microsoft's plans at Gamescom. Microsoft's going to be there. Apparently, they're planning to have their largest booth ever, but they're not going to have Starfield Playable on the field, playable on the floor. Reason being, this game is just too big. There is too much going on in this game to give somebody a good vertical slice to play and come away satisfied with any, within a short period of time to where you could actually have a demo and not have people just sitting at stations and camping out for, you know, hours at a time. That's why you're not going to have it there. You're probably going to have hands- on with influencers and games media behind closed doors um by that time though review keys will already be in reviewers hands in fact the embargo may be up right so at that point because it's a few days before early access the embargo could be up we could actually have reviews by that point in time probably not day one but by the end of show I would not be surprised if we actually have the review embargo up and you have all the information that you want about the game. So there wouldn't be too much of a point to have that. But what you're going to see is you're going to have like Forza um, and a few other Microsoft Game Studios games that are going to be coming out in the next, you know, four to six months. But you won't have Starfield. Let's pivot over to the animated series that they put out earlier this week. And I wanted to show the settled systems where hope is built because this is something that's created a little bit of a debate within the community where hope is built. So for those of you that are listening and not actually watching, this is taken in Aquila City, which is uh, Aquila Cheyenne, capital of the Freestar Collective. There are no... There's no words. There's no spoken dialogue in these videos. They're just... Animated shorts. So what we saw is a mechanic working on a ship, and it appears like a fuse broke out, and he's wandering around through the town. He sees a flashback to a mecha battle, and this is from Colony Wars. And this is what has created the debate. So, we've seen pictures of Mecha in the videos. We're now seeing action shots, so to speak, of Mecha. Again, this is, you know, animated. This isn't actually in-game. We don't see Mecha battling in-game. So, the question is... Gonna let this video go ahead and play out for the people that are watching it. This person just took the part they needed and fixed the ship. They're all excited, and now they're going to take off. So, this is somebody that was clearly an orphan, and they got off this planet. All right, now that that was. So, Vanna, an Achilles City orphan of the famous Colony Wars, desperately wants to explore the stars, and only one thing stands in her way a broken ship. Her search for repair parts leads her throughout the city and into some unexpected danger as she closes in on her dream. So she gets the part she needs and she's able to take off. But we saw there the Mecha Battles. And this is why I had that hat on. So let's change hats a little bit here, right? And um, put my tinfoil hat on for a little bit of conspiracy theory, Rob, right? So here's what I think happened. We've seen mechs in graveyards. And we've seen mechs in this flashback. And these were involved in the famous colony wars. So it's my supposition, if you will, that mechs do exist, but we cannot pilot them. And in fact, I don't think anybody can. I think there's a moratorium going on against mechs. Part of, I suspect, the ceasefire and the eventual like peaceful resolution between the colonies is that they had to disarm, and they had to get rid of the mechs. So, mechs do exist in their lore. They do, the technology for mechs still exists in their timeline, but people aren't using mechs because they can't. There's like a ban on them. And so, you're not gonna see a lot of mechs unless you're a criminal. And then there's the potential that some of the factions that are involved in illegal activities will have access to next. But I also think that it's one of those things, like even if you are a criminal, right? And you do something illegal, but it's not like you're not wholesale slaughtering people that you're not necessarily going to draw the, the ire of the authorities, as long as you're staying like, kind of under the radar. But as soon as you hop in a mech, you are no longer under the radar. You point a giant target at your back and say, come after me. So it's like, do these pirate organizations, do these other nefarious groups, are they using, are they so dumb to use a mech and put that symbol on their back that says, come at me, bro. <laughs> come at me, come take my mechs. No, I don't think that's happening. So. I don't think that we're going to be piloting mechs also because they said we don't have ground vehicles. And these are clearly, I think are something that you would be considered a ground vehicle. So because of what Bethesda said, and because of what we've seen, um, this, the still shots that we've seen in the more, uh, videos focused on in game activities, they've been like graveyards. We've seen big, Busted broken down mechs. We haven't seen mechs being used, right? they the only time we've ever seen the mechs being used are in this animated video, which is clearly a flashback. And even you know, and it's a, it's a flashback and it's already something that happened in the past. So we're watching a past event and then a flashback in a past event. So that's quite a while ago. I, I don't think mechs are in the game in a playable form. Um And if they are, it may be some kind of special onesie twosie, you know, one-off thing, but it's not going to be like, oh, look at my mech. I want to build out a mech and we're going to have the side things where we're doing all these things with mechs. This is not that game. And I don't think that's going to happen. Maybe in an expansion later on down the line, maybe some kind of some story within the game will touch upon mech. Something's obviously going to fill us in on the lore about why we can't do anything with these mechs. But Again, that's my tinfoil hat theory. I think that we see these mechs because, yes, they exist. They were part of our history, but they're just not something we use anymore. Um, you know, Kind of like landmines, right? At least, you know, we're not supposed to. All right, tinfoil hat off. Let me know what you think in the comments below. Do, do I even need to ask? I'm sure that you're going to Let me know what you think in the comments below, right? Um, Whether or not we're going to see Max and if you agree with me or not. And also why you think we will if you disagree with me. All right. What do we have next? All right. So next up, similar to one of the previous episodes that we did, we got pretty lucky and Bethesda Game Studios released a Meet Jamie Mallory, producer at Bethesda Game Studios article today. And for those of you who are like, who is Jamie Mallory? Well, you remember that nice lady that hopped on the video and said that she liked to steal sandwiches? Yeah, that's Jamie. So <laughs> let's go ahead and uh, read Jamie's spotlight article. So say hi to Jamie Mallory, producer on Starfield at Bethesda Game Studios. If you've seen our latest Starfield Direct, You'll already be familiar with Jamie's animal-themed spaceships and sandwich space piracy, but Jamie's been a part of the Bethesda family since 2013, from id Software to Bethesda Game Studios, Dallas. Jamie's journey through the video game industry has allowed for touches on so many of the Bethesda titles. What is your role at Bethesda Game Studios? What does a normal day look like for you? I'm a producer who is lucky enough to support some amazing strike teams. A strike team is a group of talented developers across disciplines who come together with a common goal in mind, and they're like the Swiss army knife of the game development world. Each bring their unique skills to design and implement awesome features. Now, picture this. My workday begins with a heroic-sized cup of tea, because let's face it, we all need a little liquid courage to face the challenges ahead. Water only, please. Water only. That's Rob. Water only. The first order of business is bug triage. It's like being a detective. As a team, we investigate each issue, ask questions, and evaluate the risk of the issue. Once we've cracked the case, I make sure to assign them to the right individuals or teams to be worked on. Next comes the dreaded email inbox. I'm a self-proclaimed inbox zero lady, which means I can't stand to see a bunch of unanswered messages staring at me, judging my productivity. Hello, Jamie, I'm Rob, and I am also a zero inbox guy. I hate it when I have unread emails in my inbox. I feel your pain. But I'm not just a producer. I'm also a buffer and unblocker extraordinaire. I protect my team from unnecessary distractions and remove any obstacles, which means I'm in constant communication with senior leadership, leads, and other producers, making sure we prioritize correctly and keep the project on track. It's like being the conductor of a well-orchestrated symphony, ensuring that all the right notes are played by the right teams at the right times. So there you have it. That's me, the tea-sipping, inbox-zero champion, to-do list-wielding, buffer-and-unblocking producer. When we work in sync and attach to the hips, we're unstoppable, and we'll create a great game that will blow everyone's socks off so I can steal their sandwiches. I added that last part. What was your path into the producer role? How long have you been with Bethesda? Here's a fun story about my journey into the game industry. After graduating college with a degree in international trade, I started on the path of becoming an investment advisor at Wirehouse. Little did I know that my husband, who always had a passion for getting into the game industry, would change the course of my career. He had been a conference associate for the Game Developers Conference in San Francisco for several years. When we got married, he convinced me to apply as a CA for a part of our honeymoon. I was a bit reluctant, but in the, but in the end, very happy I had listened to him. During my time as a CA, I had the pleasure of meeting incredible individuals who were either looking to break into the game industry or were seasoned veterans. I had so much fun that I started attending the conference every year, and before I knew it, I went from being a CA to being demoted to staff CA. But let's fast forward just a bit. The stock market crashed, and my investment advisory job lost its sparkle. I had moved to Dallas, Texas with my husband, and luckily, I was close to some friends. I had made at GDC. One evening, while venting about my job at a pub, I met with Grand Schoenberg. Quiller, was currently an employee at id Software. He mentioned that there were contract QA positions available for the next game, which provided the change I needed. I took a leap of faith, applied, and after an interview, I found myself welcomed onto the team. Initially, the contract was for working on Doom 2016's multiplayer, but plans changed, and I ended up shifting to another project that had a release date that year, Wolfenstein The New Order. That's where my love for working in video games truly blossomed. As I was able to collaborate with individuals from multiple studios while working towards a shared goal. It was an amazing experience. When my contract came to an end, I was fortunate enough to be hired as a full-time employee at id Software. Over the next five years, I had the privilege of working on incredible games like Doom, Quake Champions, Prey, Wolfenstein the New Order, Doom Eternal, and Doom VFR. My role evolved over time from contract QA to lead QA, but as time went on, I started pondering my future aspirations. I wanted to have a larger role, but part of the decision-making process, and work more closely with developers. And so, after numerous conversations with in-industry and in-studio friends, and probably a few beers, I set my sides on production as a goal. That's when an amazing opportunity came up at Bethesda. I applied for the associate producer position and was interviewed for, I'm sorry, I applied for the associate producer position and was invited for an interview. I met with my future boss, Jesse Flanagan, as well as the studio directors, Mark Tardiff and Tom Mustaine. From the moment we started talking, I was captivated by their love of the studio, their unwavering support for their teams, and the incredible energy they brought. During the interview, when asked about my long-term goals, I couldn't help but let my enthusiasm shine through. With wide eyes, I said, I want to be an executive producer one day. I want to be like you guys, walking across the stage at E3 to showcase the amazing work our teams have created. I even have my E3 song already picked out. Now, this is where I screwed up. The next question is obvious, and I felt it in my stomach. I had gotten ahead of myself without thinking about the consequences. Mark and Jesse were staring at me, and the question came, and what song is that? Well, already in the thick of it, might as well let them know the type of person they are thinking about hiring. I sheepishly replied, bad motherfucker, by biting elbows. And oh boy, without, hesita- without hesitation, Jesse and Mark burst into laughter, and I was relieved to know I had found my tribe. Fast forward four years and I'm still with Bethesda, loving every moment of it. I see a bright future ahead. Well, unless they get tired of my shenanigans, of course. But all jokes aside, I've discovered my passion for game production and being a part of the creative process. I'm excited to continue growing and contributing to this incredible studio and industry. Do you have a favorite project you've worked on? One that stands out is Starfield. The level of team collaboration on that project was off the charts. Let's start that little section again. Do you have a favorite project you've worked on? One that stands out is Starfield. The level of team collaboration on that project was off the charts. I find it interesting that they're already talking about it in the past tense. Like, it's not out yet. We're still working on the game. (laughs) Still working on the game. So anyways, it should be that level of team collaboration is off the charts. Especially when it came to the shipbuilder. We had an amazing team with some developers who worked on the incredible snap maps in Doom 2016. And we've got this massive list of exciting features we're looking forward to discussing and potentially implementing in the future. But shh, I can't spill all the details here. Just thinking about the possibilities gets my dopamine pumping. Now, is for the wackiest title I had the pleasure of working on, Doom VFR. Picture this. We were on a mission to figure out VR locomotion that wouldn't make players lose their lunch while still maintaining that fast-paced, no-holds-barred, doomed experience. Let me tell you, there were countless sessions where me and my team would be sitting in chairs with a trusty trash can between our ankles, testing different ideas. I'll never forget the time the developers introduced a Roomba-like device that could zip drifting around corners at high speeds. It was a riot, but for all the obvious reasons, we eventually had to remove it. Still, it was an absolute blast working on this title, and I'll never forget the joy of being at E3, helping run the booth for Doom VFR. Seeing people get scared and start screaming was priceless. It's these unique experiences that make each project special and keep me excited about the work I do. I'm truly grateful for the opportunities I've had and can't wait to see what other incredible adventures lie ahead. What was the first project you worked on at Bethesda? Starfield holds a special place in my heart because it's my very first project with Bethesda as a Strike Team producer. I had the privilege of working on some amazing aspects of the game. I was responsible for supporting the shipbuilder, the star map, terminals, mission boards, and to top it all off, I was part of the streaming strike team with a systems discipline. Working on shipbuilder was an absolute blast. Collaborating with a talented and imaginative team to create intricate, awe-inspiring, and, well, silly spacecraft was entertaining and fulfilling. As for the star map, we got to craft a map that would be part of the immersive universe that players could use to explore space and find where to go next on their adventures. The terminals added another layer of depth to the game, usually giving players more insight to the story and lore for the area that they're currently in. The mission board also kept us all on our toes, ensuring players had exciting challenges to tackle while exploring the cosmos. Being Being part of the streaming strike team within systems was an excellent experience. We worked tirelessly to optimize and enhance the technology of the game, ensuring a seamless and immersive gameplay experience. It's all about ensuring that the players could dive into the world without any hiccups. What's your favorite thing about being a producer? One of my absolute favorite parts of my role in the one of my absolute favorite parts of my role is the interaction with the developers. We're all gathered around a table or in a video call due to the pandemic, brainstorming and throwing out these wild pie in the sky ideas. It's a room full of passionate nerds and the creativity that flows in those moments is nothing short of magical. We're all gamers at heart. So we're not just making a game. We're creating something that we personally want to play and enjoy. I think what truly makes my heart swell is the camaraderie and bond I share with the developers I support. We're like a tight-knit family in the trenches, supporting each other through thick and thin. We go beyond the professional realm and genuinely care about one another's well-being. We're always checking in, asking about each other's families, and making sure everyone is taken care of. It's a beautiful thing to be a part of. I feel incredibly fortunate to work alongside some of the most remarkable individuals in the world. These talented folks bring their passion, dedication, and brilliance to the table every day. They inspire me, challenge me, and push me to be the best version of myself. I'm truly grateful to have such an incredible team in my life. It's not just a job. It's a shared adventure filled with laughter, creativity, and genuine connections. I cherish every moment spent with these talented nerds who have become my dear friends. What's your favorite game or a game that really inspires you? Ah, this question. I do not know why this question drives some anxiety. It's like I don't want to pick a few among the many. A game that I have been smitten with for a long time and often gift to the unsuspecting soul who hasn't experienced the glorious chaos is Untitled Goose Game. <laughs> oh boy, this game. Taking control of a mischievous ugh, taking control of a mischievous goose and wrecking havoc on unsuspecting people in an English village. It's pure delight for all ages. I followed the development of this game for years, and when it finally launched, House House, the brilliant minds behind it. Did not disappoint. For a cozy and chill gaming experience, I turned to Animal Crossing New Horizons. This game has a special place in my heart, and I find myself returning to my island year after year, running around, decorating, building, and ensuring that Blathers has a full stock museum as a joy. It's a game you can easily pick up and play whenever you have a spare moment or that irresistible itch. The ever changing events and seasons, the beautiful weather I once witnessed a double rainbow, and the calming soundtrack make it a perfect escape from the daily, stress filled hustle. However, let's keep my in game hours a secret. I suspect they may be somewhere between the 4 and 5,000 mark by now. When I'm in the mood for a quick game, I often dive into card games like Slay the Spire or Hearthstone Battlegrounds. They provide the perfect balance of strategy and enjoyment, keeping me entertained in short bursts. As for sandbox games, I have a soft spot for Planet Zoo. Who can resist the adorable platypus in the Wetlands Park? Certainly not me. Another sandbox gem I adore is Two Points Hospital and its sequel, Two Point Campus. In fact, I remember when Two Point Campus came out during QuakeCon last year, a time when my friends and I gather for an epic multiplayer games LAN party. That release took over my QuakeCon experience entirely. I still feel somewhat bad that I spent a lot of time in a single player game, but we all had a great time. And let's not forget multiplayer games. Let's start with Destiny 2, a game that has captured my heart. The weapons are fantastic, the environments are breathtaking, and the fast-paced combat makes me feel like an absolute badass. And let's not forget about the jaw-dropping armor sets that make my character look like a true legend. But here's the fun part. They've got a team that knows how to inject some silliness into the mix. From Ace Ventura emotes to hilarious tiny vehicles that make your friends burst into laughter as you zoom past them. It's a delightful blend of epic moments and light-hearted fun. If we're talking about a multiplayer game that will always get my friends to play on any Friday night, then Golf It takes the crown. This discovery during the pandemic quickly became our go-to game as soon as everyone finished work and poured themselves a well-deserved beverage to start the weekend. We love it so much that one of the levels, Sky Valley, even inspired an epic lore-filled Indiana Jones adventure for a bachelor party. Who knew golf could be so inspiring? One of the most incredible aspects of my work is the unwavering support and encouragement I receive from my peers and leadership. I'm not shy about coming up with wild and crazy ideas, and instead of shooting them down with a resounding, you're insane, they will actually consider them. They've always willing to give my ideas a shot while adding their own brilliant twists and turns to the mix. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But nonetheless, I feel the support, the encouragement that they provide me. It's not every day that you find such a nurturing and supportive environment in the game industry. So I consider myself incredibly fortunate to be surrounded by these amazing individuals. You recently won a lot of hearts and minds with the reveal of the amazing animal-themed spaceship you'd like to build in Starfield, including your love for sandwich piracy. Do you have a favorite Starfield creation, complete or not yet started? And what is the end goal for a baguette bandit? And what is the end goal for a baguette bandit? Is there a secret provolone palace on some random planet in the outer rim while you're storing all these savory spoils? One of my absolute favorite pastimes is creating unique ships and shipbuilder, such as the now infamous ship, the HMS Platypus. The idea for the platypus ship came from a dear friend, Alexis, who happens to be an incredibly talented environmental artist at id Software. She has an undying love for these quirky creatures. Can you blame her? Platypuses are just the epitome of adorable weirdness. I even have socks adorned with the delightful paddle of the platypuses. They never fail to make me smile. Anybody who's worth their salt and watched Phineas and Ferb adores platypuses. Agent P, otherwise known as Plary the Pat, Plary the Platypus. Yeah, Plary the Platypus. I just misplaced that L, just got lost, put it in a different word, no big deal. Perry the Platypus, ladies and gentlemen. That was what I was trying to say. Perry the Platypus. And now I've had all those plosives in this mic. Hopefully the pop filter works. But wait. (laughs) You do a perfect doofenshmirtz from out of the audience. But wait, there are more terrible ideas for ships, one of which is a colossal sandwich soaring through space, aptly named the Griller. The name itself strikes fear, but when you witness this mammoth sub-like creation gracefully landing in a cutscene or zipping across the cosmos, it's pure... Cosmetic, comedic gold. It reminds me of those moments in games where you unlock these outrageous pre order outfits or items for your character only to find them amid a serious cutscene where someone has tragically perished or the menacing villain makes their grand entrance. It's absurd, it's hilarious, and it never fails to bring a big old grin to my face. I've become quite an expert at capturing screenshots to share with my fellow co workers who appreciate a good laugh as much as I do. Now, as for a preferred Provolone Palace, I must confess I like to keep my sandwiches or other stolen bounty close at hand on my ship. It adds a slight element of risk during those thrilling dogfights. But, hey, now that you mention it, an outpost on Earth's moon, Luna, doesn't sound like such a bad idea, especially since it's made entirely of cheese. Just kidding. No cheese there. So, I think that she might have kind of confirmed, which I don't think is a, any secret, that if you're on a ship and it's destroyed, you probably lose the contents, which is why she doesn't want to keep her sandwiches there because she'd lose her sandwiches if she lost her ship. Do you have a favorite aspect, quest, character, moment theme of the game you're currently working on so far? Most of the content we are currently working on is behind the scenes to the player, such as optimizations, etc. But let me tell you about my recent playtesting adventures. Lately, I've been diving deep into the quest lines of all the different factions, and I've been pleasantly surprised by the incredible variety in their storylines. It's like unlocking a treasure trove of captivating narratives that many folks may not even realize exist. While some may rush through the main Golden Path storyline, those intrepid explorers who venture off the beaten path and delve into the faction quests are in for a real treat. The amount of content packed into those faction storylines is truly astonishing. It's like embarking on a grand adventure within an adventure where every choice you make and every interaction you have shapes the course of the tale. The character development, the plot twists, the moral dilemmas, I've been completely hooked. These quests offer a chance to delve deeper into the game's rich lore and uncover hidden gems that add layers of depth and excitement to the overall experience. So, my fellow gamers, I urge you to take a detour from the main storyline and explore the fascinating world of Faction quests. Trust me, the rewards are well worth the extra time and effort. Prepare to be enthralled by the intricate, storytelling, and immersive gameplay that awaits you. It's like unwrapping a surprise gift within the game itself. A gift that will leave you with the unforgettable memories and a renewed appreciation for the boundless creativity of the designers and game developers. Happy questing. Thank you so much to Jamie for taking the time to answer our questions and bringing the Griller into our lives. Check out more from our team here at Bethesda Game Studios. If you want to work alongside Jamie or anyone else at Bethesda Game Studios, visit our careers page and apply today. And last time I checked, they did have a posting for a game designer. So if you are in the market for looking for a game design job, head on over to Bethesda Game Studios website. Everybody, that was episode six of Starfield Pulse. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Rob. Make sure that you follow us on Twitch. TV slash starfield pulse. So you're notified every time we go live to record these episodes. And again, if you can't catch it live, you can hear us wherever you get your podcasts, as long as that's Apple and Spotify. And you can watch us later on on YouTube at youtube.com slash Robin Raps or youtube.com slash starfield pulse. And don't forget to hit like and or subscribe. And if you're listening on one of your podcast services, to make sure to rate the episodes and leave a comment or review because it really helps with discovery and for other people to find these podcasts as well. And as always, you can reach me via email at starfieldpulse at gmail.com with any questions or comments that you might have. Thanks, and I'll talk to you next week.